0: Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Good morning all. After a few days in Harare, Zimbabwe, I got back on Monday afternoon Greetings and regards from our church in Harare. There's life in our house church. There are things happening. And you can see the evidence of God's favor on those who believe. It may, it may be a difficult and challenging times in Zimbabwe, and in, indeed it is for many. But for those who believe in God and trust in the Lord, God always makes a way for them. Even in drought and dry places, the Word of God says He will make our bones fat, meaning strong and vibrant and healthy. This is our God. As some of you may know, I have been on a quest or a journey since the beginning of last year, and my quest and pursuit continues in this current year. Can anybody tell me what that quest is? (laughs) Let's see whether you are paying attention to what I'm sharing with you from time to time. The focus of my quest, and I pray that it will be the focus of your pursuit this year, and my prayer request has been and continues to be, Lord, please show me your glory. I believe that ought to be the quest of every true born-again disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, show us your glory. We're not content to hear what you've done in other people's lives. We want to see and experience your glory, your goodness, your favor, your grace in my own life and in the life of my loved ones, and those that I am petitioning you and interceding and praying for from day to day. I have chosen this this particular request or petition, for I have been inspired, as you all know, by Moses. When he encountered God on the mountain, he petitions God to show him his glory. And the Lord responded to Moses, saying, and we read that in Exodus 33, 19, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And that tells me one thing, that the glory of God is none other than His goodness. For He said to Moses, in response to His petition, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will be gracious and compassionate and merciful. So the glory of God is none other than His goodness, His grace, His love, and His compassion toward His creation. And I desire and I trust that that is your own desire. To visibly see the manifestations of God's glory And God's goodness, not just in my own life, but in the life of the people that I minister to or teach the people within my sphere of influence. And in this quest, I have learned some things. And what I want to share with you is some of my own experiences, some of the things that I have learned in the hope that you will learn from these experiences. And these are the things I have been sharing and will continue to share along this way. And it's what Paul said to Timothy, the things you have heard from me, I want you to commit those things. The things you've learned, the things you've heard, the things you've experienced. I want you to find faithful men and women and commit those things to them who are also able to teach others. That's how God works from one generation to the next. And those of us who have been called into God's ministry or leadership have a responsibility to effectively and clearly communicate the things that we've heard, the things that we've learned, the things that we've experienced to faithful men and women who are also able to teach others. So the things that you learn, you need to have a mechanism by which you communicate to others the things that you hear from us and directly from the Lord. If you just keep to yourself what you've learned, in the end you will even lose that which you have received. The way to grow in our spiritual walk with God is is the ability to communicate the things that we've heard and learned from God, and from those who lead us. Amen? If you can effectively communicate those things to others, that means you have them in your heart, not just in your head. And you will grow by leaps and bounds. So growth doesn't just come by sitting and listening to sermons. It comes by hearing the Word and being able to communicate that Word to those whom God has placed in your own influence. I have a webinar session every second Thursday of each month, and in that webinar session, I call those whom I consider to be leaders of people. And one of the things that I want to teach and communicate or I expect from them, is to share what they've learned, what they've experienced in the walk with God, and share it with the rest of us so that we can learn from your own experiences. Do you know that testimony encourages us? And we should always have a live testimony on our lips of God's goodness in our lives, God's favor. Answered prayer. Amen. And for anyone who desires to see the manifestations of God's glory, goodness, power demonstrated in their lives, they need to understand that there are prerequisites or conditions, if I can put it that way, to answering this prayer request. There are certain conditions or certain prerequisites. Prerequisites means that you need to do something before you actually see what you're asking for. It involves action. It involves obedience to the Word of God. And so, the first prerequisite that I want to share with you is this. How many of you want to see the goodness of God demonstrated in your life? I believe everyone. But are you willing to pay the price for it? Are we willing to pay the price for that encounter with God's goodness? And the first prerequisite is a spiritual thirst. You may want to write that down. And a hunger for God... And the things that pertain to the kingdom of God. Jesus promised that he will only fill the hungry with good things. Not just anyone. Blessed are the hungry, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Amen? The psalmist said in Psalm 63, verse 1 and 2, O God, You are my God. Early will I seek You. My soul, he says, thirsts for You. My flesh longs for You in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for You in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Notice what he says. I thirst. My soul thirsts. There are a lot of thirsts in our world today, but they are not all godly or righteous. Some people thirst and hunger for the wrong things that leads to perdition and destruction. But the psalmist says, My soul thirsts for you. That is a restored soul. A soul that has been restored by the grace of God, has been put together, and God has done a work of progressive restoration. If you're not thirsting for the things of God, that means your soul has not been touched or restored by the shepherd. Remember Psalm 23? He restores my soul. He is the restorer. And a restored soul will always gravitate towards the things of God. And he said, My flesh even longs for you. You know, flesh can be trained. Flesh is very addictive and often to the wrong things. But we can train even our flesh to be addicted to God and His Word. Did you know that? It can be trained. It can be tutored or discipled. And that's what Paul says. I keep under my flesh. Bring it into subjection. In other words, he was saying my spirit is training my flesh and my body to hunger and to thirst for the right things. Hello. That's amazing to me. God has made us addictive human beings. Amen. It's in your nature to be addictive, but not to the wrong things, to the things of God. That you cannot live without God, you cannot live without His Spirit, without His Word, without His goodness. And that's where God is leading us. In Psalm 107, verse 9, he says, For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. You go to thirst for the goodness of God, according to this word. And as you can see from these very scriptures and many others, which we don't have time to go to, one has to strongly desire such encounters with God. They don't just happen accidentally, without you wanting it, without you and I seeking it and pursuing it. They don't just happen. Every encounter I had with God in His presence over the years has left a mark on me. And has changed my way of seeing things. Changed the course of my life. The direction of my pursuits. Because they had such an impact on me. Amen. But I sought God for it. I fasted for it. I longed for it. I shut myself away until God showed up. And when He did, I could not remain the same anymore. How desperately we need these living encounters with God. But they don't just happen, folks. In our pursuit of God, I believe we must come to a place where our desire for the knowledge of God must supersede any other desire we might have. I have always been touched in my heart for years now by what the psalmist said to God in one of his prayers. I'm going to share that with you. Psalm 73, verse 25. In his prayer, he cried out to God and he said, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you. Do you know what that tells me? That this person is totally ruined for this present world. And what this world has to offer him. He says, there is none upon the earth, nothing, that I desire more than you, O God. He reminds me of the words of Paul when he said, through the cross, and we sang about the cross, thank God for the cross. He said, through the cross, the world is crucified to me. In other words, the world, its pulls, its desires, has no effect on my life whatsoever, because it's crucified to me. And I, he says, I'm crucified to the world. And that's what the psalmist is saying. The world was crucified to Him and He to the world. That's one of the things that we've got to get right. One of the things that ruins or quenches our desire and thirst for the living God are the pursuits, the ideologies, the values, and the desires of this present world that kills your hunger for the things of God it will destroy your thirst we have a responsibility folks to protect our thirst for God you know John the apostle summarizes these in this epistle and this is what he says 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 through to 17 i'm going to read it from both translations the ERV, easy reading version, and the Amplified Translation. Let's look at the easy reading version. This is what he says to believers. He, wrote, he writes them a letter, and he says, Don't love this evil world or the things in it. There's a difference between liking, enjoying, and loving. Did you know that? And don't—you know, sometimes the Bible seems contradictory— John 3:16 says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And now John says here, don't love this evil world. What does he mean? When God says he loved the world so much, he's talking about you and me. He loves his creation so much that he gave his only begotten son. But Paul is not but uh, here John is not talking about that. He says, the things in it, this evil world. If you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. That This is all there is in the world. Wanting to please our sinful selves. Another translation says, the lust of the flesh. Wanting to do your own thing. Wanting to go your own way. Seeking your own will above the will of another, O God. Wanting the sinful things we see. Greediness. Selfishness. These are the values upon which the world is built and its systems. Why do you think there are wars? And fights and all of those things because of greediness and selfishness and a hunger for power. And John says, wanting the sinful things we see and being too proud of what we have and the pride of life. This will kill and destroy the desire for God in your life. And I am sad to say that the state of the church today is not that good. Why? Because the spirit of this present world has entered, infiltrated the people of God, and it stole from us the beautiful things, the spiritual things, It stole from us the beauty, the power, the authority that once the church walked in. None of these come from the Father. They come from the world. The world is passing away, and all the things that people want in the world are passing away, but whoever does what God wants will live forever. Amen? He's contrasting. A person who pursues the values of this world and a person who pursues the values of the kingdom of God. He says, the one who pursues the will of God will remain and abide forever. But the one who pursues the values, the ideologies, the desires of this present world will pass away with the world. Will no longer be. Amen? The Amplified. I'm taking my time on this because this is one of the prerequisites or the conditions of seeing and experiencing the glory of God in our lives. Do not love the world of sin that opposes God and His precepts, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... And he goes on to list three things. The lust and sensual craving of the flesh, and the lust and longing of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, pretentious confidence in one's resources, or in the stability of earthly things. These do not come from the Father, but are from the world. And the world is passing away, and with it its lusts, the shameful pursuits and ungodly longings that derive from our sinful nature. But the one who does the will of God and carries out his purposes will live forever. Amen. You can say that again. Amen. I want to live forever in the presence of God. But there is a price to pay. Embracing the cross, because the cross is the cure for worldliness. The cross will put to death all that is of the flesh within you, all that is of the world. It will put them to death. If we allow the power, the redeeming power of the cross to penetrate our lives as we surrender ourselves to the cross. And let me say this, if we allow, it's our choice, the values of this world to dominate and govern our lives, they will eventually drive us away from God and His desire for our lives. Amen. By the grace of God helping us, we must allow the cross of Christ to do its complete work in us and put to death that earthly part of us that is fascinated by the glitter and the attraction of this prison world. There was a hymn that I often sang and prayed years ago when I first came to Christ. It's a spiritual Him. it goes like this, breathe on me, O breath of God, until I'm wholly thine, until this earthly part of me glows with thy fire divine. May God breathe on us. May God breathe on his church in our day. And bring a spiritual awakening because that is what the church desperately needs. A spiritual awakening where we can see what God sees, feel what God feels, do what God does in our world today. Breathe on me, O breath of God, until I'm wholly thine until this earthly part of me glows with thy fire divine. You know, we can never pray this prayer enough. It's a prayer that you can pray every single day. And mean it. And mean it. Not just giving lip service, but let your heart pray this prayer. God will answer such prayers. Do not underestimate, folks, the pull the spirit of this world has on us. The the attraction and and the desire to dominate us. Because the enemy is after one thing. If he cannot prevent you from coming to Christ... He will prevent you from being fruitful in the kingdom of our God. And live your life aimlessly, without a purpose, without joy, without gladness, without victory. Paul the Apostle, speaking about one of his close companions, said the following 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Amplified. For Demas, that was the name of the person he was talking about, has deserted me for love of this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. Another translation says, Demas loved this world too much. That is why he left me. And he went to Thessalonica. Demas was one of his closest associates to Paul on his journey. He was part of the apostolic team. And he saw the power of God, the miracles of God that were done through the hands of the apostle Paul. And yet, the spirit of this world got hold of him. Can you believe it? That's why I say, do not underestimate the attraction and the pull that the influence this present world has on believers, distracting them from the call of God, persuading them to follow another path than the path of God. And what happened to Demas? The love of the world killed his desire for God. And abandoned the will of God and the men of God that he walked with. And he went back into the world. Are you listening to me? This is... We've got to settle this in our hearts and in our minds. Paul said, do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't think the way the world thinks. Do not pursue the value system this world pursues. Find out what the world desires and go the opposite way. You will be safe. Jesus said, that Which is highly esteemed among men, it is an abomination in the sight of God. What do men esteem today? Think. What they esteem is highly abominable in the sight of God. They hate humility, they love pride, they boast. They love independence, which is the opposite of what a disciple should be, dependent constantly upon God, pursuing and laying down the lives at the altar, sacrificing what is dear to them for success in the eyes of the world. Well, that's what Paul means when he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Where the mind goes, the man goes, or the woman goes. What you spend your time meditating on and thinking upon, that is what you will do. Amen? I believe the greatest need of the church today is the renewing of our minds. Believers don't study the Word at home. Most believers, anyway. They don't do the homework. They don't pray. They go to church. That's it. I wonder sometimes if God takes the assembling of ourselves together takes it away altogether. What are we going to have? Amen. Renewing the mind takes work. It takes diligent study. It takes getting up early in the morning and putting your face in the Word of God and training your flesh to go to the prayer closet and talk to God in private And God says your reward will be an open reward, and people will see that you are the blessed of God, that there is an atmosphere and and an air about you and a fragrance that testifies that you've been with Jesus. I remember years ago, I took my car to the service place. And there was always the same person, now she left, of course she retired. And here I'm standing before her, and I said, good morning, I brought my car in for service. She looks at me and she, her eyes wide open, she says, what is it about you? Why is it that you shine? And I testified to her. You know why? Because I spent probably an hour or two hours in the presence of the Lord before I went to take my car in. You cannot spend time with God and remain the same, folks. And how, how many times am I stressing this? Over and over and over and over again. Hopefully that some of us will get it. That we won't make excuses why we can't study, why we can't read the Word, why we skip church. Hello? Hey. Hey. My aim is not to make you feel condemned, but hopefully to encourage you. That the pursuit for the glory of God is the highest pursuit. The last time I ministered to you, remember what I spoke about? I press on for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I keep pushing, I keep pressing, I keep moving forwards, forgetting those things that are behind and pressing on to the things which are ahead of me. That should be our desire. That should be our heart's desire. I want to see the glory of God. Don't you? Imagine what would happen in this place if a miracle or two or three of healings and, and demonstrations of the Spirit take place, we won't find a place to put the people in. God said, prepare the house and I will bring the people. Bring my presence here and I will bring the people. Amen. Let's pray for this, for this family that God has called together. Not just for our own needs and desires and what's in it for me, but pray for the, for the, for the growth, the prosperity the, of this fellowship and say, God, I invest my life into this family. I invest my time, my prayers, my resources, my giftings, whatever you've given me, I want to invest it in this family because I want to see the glory of God demonstrated. And not stand back, but take a step forward. Go one more step deeper into the river of this fellowship. Do you know church is what you make it? Pastor doesn't make the church. It's what you put in that's going to make the difference. And God has gifted you with gifts, with talents, with beautiful fragrance that needs to be released. Not just in the assembly, but even during the week. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven, folks. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I don't want to go too long this morning. I don't want to just run over these things that I'm sharing with you. I want to give you something to meditate on during the week and say, Lord, where do I stand in regard to this? The psalmist said in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. And see, because in your light I will see light see if there if there is any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting amen the second prerequisite is believing believing One needs to exercise faith in God and in what He says. Jesus said to Martha, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Seeing is not believing. Believing is seeing. Often we put the cart before the horse. We want to see before we believe. But Jesus said, If you believe, you will see the glory of God. That's the way things run in the kingdom of God. That's how the system works. It doesn't work any other way. The psalmist said in Psalm 27 verse 13, I would have lost heart unless... I had chosen to believe that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Change that word for goodness to the glory of God. That's exactly what Jesus said to Martha. He said, I would have lost heart. I would have been discouraged. I would have, been, I would have thrown in the towel if I had not chosen to believe. In the goodness of God. In the love of God. In the mercy and the grace of God. Believing in the goodness of God and expecting this goodness to show up in our lives is one of the conditions to answering this prayer request. Lord, show me your glory. And God says, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Now, We cannot allow ourselves to become fearful, and it's so easy. Living in a world that we live in today, with all that goes on around, every time you turn on the TV, all you hear is bad news, viruses, the world is in a panic, wars. But we cannot allow ourselves to become fearful or negative by what we see and hear all around us. We have a choice. And at the same time, expect to see the goodness of God demonstrated in our lives. Can we? We need to have a different attitude. One that is different from the world. It is a hopeful attitude. It is a believing attitude. Amen. It's not presumptions, it's faith. Faith in what? Faith in the goodness of God. That God is still on the throne. That God is still good. That He still loves His people. And He still saves today. And He still delivers today. If we could only believe. Amen. Christians who lose heart And have given into discouragement and depression are those who have chosen. Listen to me. You choose to believe or you choose not to believe. It's our choice. Those are the ones who have chosen not to believe in the love and in the goodness of God towards them. They chose to rather believe and focus on the evil that so often surrounds us. It's a choice. What will you choose? I choose to believe God. I choose to hope in God, regardless of what goes on around me, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the negative reports. I choose to believe God and His promises. I've seen it evident when I visited Zimbabwe. There are people who are having a wonderful time there. They believe God. The business are growing and multiplying. Why? They're godly people. They believe God. They stand on His word. They do good. Amen. And God will do that for all who believe. Amen. Jesus said, Whosoever. shall not perish, but have everlasting life. and everlasting life is an abundant life that does not depend on the outward circumstances. Amen. So, I'm continuing in my quest. Do you want to join me? Let's journey together. Put your priorities in the right order. Amen. Set your priorities in the right order. In the beginning, put God first. Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these other things that the world strives, kills, lies, cheats in order to achieve, I will give them to you. (laughs) I will bless you with these things. If you set your heart on the right course and your priorities are right. Amen. I've learned this lesson 43 years ago. And my wife is a witness. I have not allowed neither my children, nor even my wife sometimes, distract me from that. Not that she tried, but even if she did, she wouldn't succeed. I recall when God called us to the city of Cape Town, at first my wife didn't want to come because her parents were up there in Johannesburg. And she was deprived of her family. And she said, we've just come now, and I've had the, the joy of having my folks close to me, and now you're telling me we've got to go th- thousands of kilometers across now down to the, to the city of Cape Town. I don't think I'm going to come. I said, okay. I said, God, you heard that. I'm not going to convince her. It's your job. Well, in a matter of a week, God sorted her out. And she followed. She always followed. God's will first. There was a time in Zimbabwe when the health system, the education system was was really awful. It would cost you a lot of money to send your kids to private school. Some folks decided I'm leaving. I'm not going to leave my children in this situation. I'm talking about believers now. No, sir. We only leave when God says leave. If God doesn't say leave, we stay put. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness every day. And all these things will be added to you. Years ago, God said to me, son, you take care of my house, I'll take care of your house. It's a deal. What does that mean? Take care of my people. Feed my people. Care for my people. Teach my people the word of God. Don't compromise. Tell them the truth in love. And I will take care of your house. My goodness, he has done that so well. Amen. You read Haggai chapter 1, and you see what happens to people who put their will above God's will. Who seek their own benefit instead of the kingdom's benefit. Who seek to build their own houses, their own careers, their own desires, above seeking to build the house of God. And he says to them, you sow much, but you reap very little you clothe yourselves but you never warm you bring your wages home like you put it in a bag full of holes and then he says why consider your ways why because my house lies in ruins while you running around building your own house hello a christian does not live for himself folks he lives for God and other people. Read the word. And believe what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. We live for God. We die for God. And if God says, go there, yes, sir, we will go and we will do whatever you command us to do. Amen? Let's stand. Let us allow the Spirit of God to search our hearts this morning, folks. You want to pray that prayer that I prayed many years ago and continue to do so? Raise your hand and say, breathe on me, O breath of God. I need the breath of God. Until I'm wholly Thine, O Lord, until this earthly part of me glows with Your fire divine. Let the fire of God burn within us all that is not of God. Purge us and deliver us from this ungodly and worldly influences, Lord, that distract us from seeking You and Your precious will. That entangles us. The Word of God says, No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life. You are a warrior for Christ. Let us not allow the world to entangle us from our pursuit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.